0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Phillies Today. A lot to get to on the pod today because we are finally here. Pitchers and catchers have reported to Clearwater. I'm hearing glove pops on social media. Could not be happier. Now that we are in the post-football lull between Super Bowl and opening day, I'm just craving baseball so badly right now, and I can't get enough of these Phillies' social media posts of guys throwing, getting ramped up here. So I am pumped. Again, a lot to get to right now. We're going to talk about this Phillies pitching staff, and if it can win as currently constructed. We'll talk some Zach Wheeler extension stuff that's been going around. I'll touch on the Rob Thompson presser on Wednesday, I believe it was, as well, And, you know, some expectations I have for certain guys here this year uh, with the Phils. So, let's jump to it. Ready to talk some Phils here. It is uh, 3.06 in the morning right now. Getting ready to uh, work with the WIP morning show and do some social media work for them this morning. But I couldn't be more excited to talk about this Phillies team. I don't care. I am absolutely stoked that baseball is back. So, want to get to it. No, I mentioned it at the top, but just how great is it to hear those glove pops the cleats on the cement, just all the baseball ASMR you can get that's all over Twitter this week, so loving that. But on a Phil's note, I'll never fully be over the NLCS last year, but I am officially ready to try just to move past this just based on the fact that I think this team can get back to where they were last year. Uh, I know this was a hot topic on the radio yesterday, but I think it's fair to have World Series expectations for this team, and will they ever get an opportunity like they did last year to play an 84-win team in the NLCS that – is you know you have multiple series leads and uh, you're able to have game six and seven at home. They may not have that opportunity again. Who knows? But I still think with this roster they have assembled, they have a really good shot to be a World Series contender once again this year, and they should have World Series expectations. So uh, I'll say this, and I've mentioned it before: if they can just manage to get off to a better start this year, as opposed to the last two where they've been you know, hovering under 500 for the first two months. They're a 95 to 100 win baseball team straight up here. It will getting off to a good start also ensures that the ballpark is filled, buzzing from day one this season. Because, like obviously, the past two years have been, especially last year, way better than yeah the pre 2022 years that past decade where it was a lot of irrelevancy. But I want the ballpark to kind of just get back to the 07 to 11 days where the Phillies game was the hot ticket every night. Place was full. Place was buzzing. So just do me a favor, guys. Get on, get get off to a good start here. It's just getting off to a good start before you get to June. It's just gonna let you be able to compete in this division. I think it's fair to put this team with the Braves. They should be fighting for a division title this year. I don't think there's any reason they can't. I think the Braves are a better team roster wise. I would say right this second, but yeah, this team can compete with the Braves. Like it's a regular season. You're able, you should be able to win you know 90 plus games every year. And I think that the Braves. they're not going to win 104 games again probably. And uh, we'll see. I know they picked up Chris Stale, but we'll see how healthy he stays. We'll see how healthy their rotation is. And uh, we'll see. I I know they uh, are going to have Kelnick as an everyday player now, which will be interesting. But we'll see where the Braves end up. But I think the Phillies could be right there at the end of the year. And a a lot of it's about getting to a good start. So that will be essential. But part of what will allow this team to get to a good start is Zach Wheeler being Zach Wheeler. And there's definitely a chance he'll be doing that, I think, with a new contract in hand on March 28th when the season gets going. Ken Rosenthal has been reporting it for a little bit now that Phillips and Wheeler are definitely in extension talks. Wheeler spoke on it on Wednesday as well, and it really feels like the team and Wheeler's people are going to eventually agree to do something before the season gets going here. What I took away from Wheeler's quotes uh, on Wednesday was that he's really happy here. He wants to play somewhere where he's happy and he genuinely, you know, hopes they can get something done sooner rather than later. Uh whatever it's gonna be, it's probably I'm thinking it's gonna be an AAV of over thirty five to forty million, probably over forty million, uh, which is something that the Phillies and John Middleton have never given out. Then do I expect him to take a discount? Absolutely not. It's really hard to argue that he isn't a top three pitcher in baseball right now, given what he's done in the postseason the past two years. I know you have probably Garrett Cole right there, you have Strider right there, but Wheeler's had more postseason success than them, uh, you know, over the course of the past couple of years. And I think he loves working with Caleb Cotham. And you could argue that he's been, like I said, the team's most important player over the past two postseasons. Whenever this team has needed a really big start in a big spot, he's delivered and then some. Like if the Phillies end up wrapping the NLCS up at Citizens Bank Park last year, Zach Wheeler's Game Five start probably gets remembered as one of the great starts in franchise history, potentially. So I'm optimistic optimistic about them getting a deal done here. Uh, much more confident than I was with Noah last year heading into spring training. And I just, every report that I'm hearing nationally and even locally, and even Zach Wheeler's comments just make it seem like they have a marriage that they want to continue and that they're going to get a deal done here. So really uh, looking probably at the next couple of weeks of a deal getting done here with Zach Wheeler. So with this Wheeler stuff, whole Obviously being the rotation regardless this year because he has one more year on his deal. And if he gets or if he gets extended or not, it'll be irrelevant. But it brings up the question that a lot of people have been debating right now. And that's can this rotation, as currently constructed, win? Or do they have to go out and get one of the big two guys that are out there in Blakes now or Jordan Montgomery? Uh, it's clearly easy to say that they're a better rotation with one of these guys in it. But do the Phillies really need one of these guys? And I'm probably gonna lean towards yes. For me, it all kind of depends on your opinion on, you know, if Taiwan Walker could have a bounce back season this year. And if you've ever listened to me talk about this rotation, you know that I think Taiwan Walker was probably the biggest disappointment on the team last year. And I know he won 15 games and people use that to say, you know, he had value. He contributed to the team winning. But the simple fact is that he had a really bad second half. And in the first year of a really big contract, Rob Thompson rightfully did not trust him to make a start in the postseason. And I will say Taiwan has come out in the last few days and said "You know, he regretted everything that happened on social media after the season was over. If you missed it, he had some critiques for Rob Thompson and the coaching staff for yeah, not giving him an opportunity to start. But if they don't end up signing Snell or Montgomery, you know, Taiwan Walker is simply going to have to be better and be the guy that they signed for four years, $72 million. I'm not fully confident that is going to happen personally, which is why I think they're probably going to at least make a play for one of these guys, but if they don't, it's going to be very difficult to get further in the postseason. The Dodgers and the Braves potentially having deeper rotations than you. I think the Dodgers certainly have a deeper rotation right now, obviously, with the acquisitions of Glass now, Yamamoto. We'll see if Glass now and Kershaw can stay healthy. I know they always have big health concerns there. The Braves, we'll see how healthy they are as well. Uh, Chris Sahel I would highly doubt he makes it all the way to October, but. Uh, these are the two teams you expect to be competing with come postseason time. So having a rotation that matches up with them is going to be essential. But back to the free agent stuff, if you're asking me right now whether or not I think they get one of these guys, it's, I, for some reason I really think they just get one of these big fish. Uh, to me, it's probably going to be Montgomery on what is maybe a shorter, you know, two, maybe three-year deal with a higher AAV, just because he may not get the value I think he's looking for. Uh, late in the offseason this just screams something that Dave Dombrowski would do you let the market play itself out and once the value decreases and the AAV decreases a little towards the season then you come in or once the years decrease then you come in with the high AAV I've mentioned it repeatedly that it's similar to what happened to Schwarber and Castellanos a couple years ago even though that was after you know, the COVID season there was a lockout but that is how this offseason's really played out around the league, and there are a lot of free agents still out there besides you know, the guys the Phillies are connected to. Bellinger's still out there. Matt Chapman's still out there. There's so many guys still out there, and uh, I think it's going to be Monty. I really do, because they just need him to be in more of a depth role, and uh, as your 3-4 guy, I think that's a great spot for Jordan Montgomery, especially coming off a championship last year where he's done it before, and I, he's pitched in a lot of big games in his uh, in his career so far, and... I think Snell is probably used to that ace role a little more, and I think the money is still going to reflect that. Like He's a reigning Cy Young winner. it's The value there is still going to be high, and uh, I just love what Jordan Montgomery can bring them right now in terms of their championship window, and you're trying to win it this year. Like I said, I think the team can win a championship this year. Uh, he doesn't have to beat you with velocity. He's always in the strike zone. I believe it's 82nd percentile in walk percentage, and... Uh, I will say, though, I'm a little worried that Boris may be leveraging the Phillies here just so he can go back to Texas. But you know, if not, if the Phillies are offering the best deal, then I think we'll see him here. And I think we will have a rotation that is one of the more special groups we've seen you know, in this franchise's history. And that's including you know, the 2011 staff as well. So, uh, and you won't have to worry about who you're going to pitch in Game 4 like you did last year. That would be, I would love to have Jordan Montgomery pitching a Game 4 for the Phillies. Uh, it's a guy... Like I said, pitching a ton of big games, won a World Series last year, has been played in a challenging market before uh, with his time spent with the Yankees, so checks a lot of boxes for me, and just think that he'd be a great fit here, and it would get fans really, really excited for the season as well and get the players pumped up too. So last free agent thing I want to bring up here is it really seems like they're also going for another outfield bat potentially. With the way Dave Dombrowski and Rob Thompson have spoke over the last week or so, they're really not guaranteeing that Johan Rojas gets a job, uh, or gets the job on Opening Day as the starting center fielder. And, you know they've mentioned the word free agent multiple times here, so I do think it's probably going to happen. I don't know what level of guy it's going to be, but if they don't, especially if they don't get a Snell or Montgomery, I especially think they'll make a play for a bigger name bat, probably Whit Merrifield, because makes a lot of sense defensively given the positional versatility compliments the lineup pretty well. Contact guy, right-handed bat. It's going to be a tough out at the bottom of your lineup. He's coming off a down year last year, we'll say. He didn't, uh, probably one of the worst hitting years of his career. And he's someone I think you could sign on a pretty team-friendly deal that can maybe give you an opt-out short term if things don't go well or Rojas looks really good and you want to make him your center fielder. Uh, Adam Duvall is the other name out there. And uh, he can play the outfield, has a little bit more power than bat-to-ball as opposed to Whit Merrifield. So, Uh, those are the two guys I'd probably monitor if they're going to go out for an outfield bat. But regardless of who it is though, I'd be really surprised if Dave Dombrowski didn't have at least one more move in him. I just think that the way they've been talking, it seems like that they are still active in the market. There's a lot of guys out there and I'd be very surprised if Dave Dombrowski isn't aggressive because that's what he's always done. He did it with Boston. He did it with Detroit. He has always been aggressive when a team has a championship window open and with, the age of this core and the way that you know they've been able to get so close the last two years, I would just really be surprised if Dave Dombrowski wasn't extremely active in the market at this particular second. So moving on, I wanted to quickly touch on Brandon Marsh's knee. If you didn't hear this past week, Brandon Marsh had minor knee surgery to clean some stuff up in there. He had felt some discomfort that he said stems back from when he got hurt in August of 2022 against the Reds. If you remember, I think he hyperextended his knee in Cincinnati where he scaled the wall, tried to rob a homer, uh, but he was out for a few weeks, then came back for the stretch run in the postseason, which he did struggle in that 2022 postseason, frankly. Besides, he did have that big homer in the Braves game, but uh, struggled in the World Series, I remember, but uh, was really good at the plate last year. And Rob Thompson said on Wednesday that he believes Marsh will definitely be back for opening day. Then Brandon Marsh himself spoke yesterday. And said he's on the timeline as of now to be ready for March twenty eighth and potentially play even in a couple of spring training games before it's all said and done. Uh said his recovery's been pretty easy and he just has to wait for the swelling to go down, but he should quote, be out there for opening day at the bank. Love the calls at the bank, by the way. Brandon Marshall's like an all time vibes guy. I can't wait just for the summer nights with him, you know, boom, Dot, just the uh the daycare back at it and you know, getting themselves at the water after the post game and stuff is just Ah, I miss it. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Uh, but uh, I'm excited for Marshall this year because uh, I'm hoping this injury doesn't lead to him starting slow. But metrics-wise, I think he's going to have a great defensive year in left field. I think moving him out there is going to potentially— he could be a gold glove candidate out there for sure. I think he plays a really good left field, and uh, moving him to a corner as opposed to center field uh, will do him really well defensively there. Uh, he's only 26 years old. i will still— be down in the order offensively. So he'll get his chances with men on. And he's actually one of the few guys who stayed pretty consistent the postseason last year. So excited about Marshy. Hoping he gets back on opening day, like they're telling us. Saw him doing rehab on the field in Clearwater yesterday. So that is a good sign there as well. Uh, by the way, I <laughs> I know I mentioned it for a second at the top, but I got to touch on this before yeah, I move on anymore. Now, how bad are these new fanatics MLB jerseys, man, they are absolutely awful. I tweeted it out the other day because it literally looks like a youth jersey, where it's a replica and you have the curved letters on the nameplate because the back is too small. Or yeah, like yeah, because you have a youth jersey and you can't fit the last name on it. Plus, it looks like it's made with like this plastic material, which just looks so phony and just not not visually appealing at all compared to the jerseys we've seen in the past. And I just don't know how Nike is letting them just the Fnatic just slapped their logo on this. I think they're still Nike jerseys, but I believe fanatics is the manufacturer, so they're just so bad. And you know maybe the players feel faster and them more comfortable uh, in the heat, which in that case, okay, that's great. Good for the players, but man, they're just not aesthetically pleasing at all. Like I would not be shocked if these got changed at some point. I know I think the players association might have said something already. I thought I saw a tweet yesterday. Uh, but between that and the City Connect Leaks, you know, I'm, I'm reaching get-off-my-lawn uh, fandom with the uniforms here. Like, why can't we just keep a good thing going with the uniforms? Like, I don't like change. Come on. <laughs> Besides that, though, I'm freaking stoked for baseball. Just glad it's finally here and we can get this thing going. Could be a really exciting spring. I'm really excited for these spring training games to get going. Just to you know, see guys back out there, especially Johan Rojas. I really, I'm really really looking forward to some of these Johan Rojas at best just because, They've been talking about so much, and I think they really want him to win this job. It would be a lot easier for them if he comes out and looked really good offensively. And something I wanted to get to here, and I know a lot of people at WIP yesterday and over the past couple of days have been giving their hypothetical lineups this year. Uh, I wanted to give mine because I think, as usual, we have a lot of controversy on the leadoff spot and just about how this order is going to be set up. Uh, whether it's righty-lefty or whether Rob Thompson strays away from that this year because I think Rob Thompson is going to make adjustments from his typical coaching style that we've seen or typical managing style we've seen over the past couple of years just because I think he went with the trust-your-guy method as far as he can go last year just in terms of Kimbrell, just in terms of Boehm in the cleanup spot Uh, during the postseason. Those two guys obviously struggled in those roles a little bit and I think that he maybe goes with more of a feel this year maybe not because you know Rob Thompson has had a lot of success managing the way that he has and I think that part of it is because the guys trust them and that he you know trusts them back so uh, I will give my hypothetical lineup right now I think that a lot will stay the same but some things could change uh, so here we go I still have Kyle Schwarber in the leadoff spot I know some people may argue that but the success that the Phillies have had with Kyle Schwarber in the leadoff spot it's just, it's unprecedented over the past two years. They have been by far a better team with Kyle Schwarber leading off. He puts a great at-bat together uh, for your first at-bat of the game. Uh, had over 100 walks last year, I believe was second in baseball, only to Juan Soto, who walks like every other at-bat. So Kyle Schwarber had a great year last year. I don't care that he batted 197. He still did OPS plus over 120, which means he is a well above average league, uh, well above average offensive player. I know his WAR was like less than one, but he is one of those guys where he was in left field so much to begin the year that it was just killing his WAR, absolutely destroying it. Uh, him being out there in the field was he good out there? No, uh, and that's why Reese Hoskins is gone. That's why Bryce Harper's at first, and that's why Kyle Schwarber's going to be the D- the DH. So have Schwarber DHing batting first. I have Trey Turner at short, batting second. If he can put anything close to a full year together of what we saw from August uh, and September last year, then it's going to be a great year for Trey Turner. And I fully expect him to be an MVP candidate this year. And I just think that we're going to see the guy that they signed here for you know however much it was, $300-plus And I just trust the track record. I trust the back of the baseball card. I think that Trey Turner is going to have a great year, put up great numbers. There in the two spot. I got Harper batting third, full year Bryce Harper, first full year at first base for him. Like, again, we'll be in the MVP conversation doing Bryce Harper things. So, Harper batting third. I got Castellanos in the four spot. A lot of people will have Bohm, and they very well might hit Alec Bohm fourth again, but I just didn't love him in that role in the postseason last year. And I just thought that the pressure of getting guys in in that spot kind of got to him a little bit there. And just a lack of power. I don't know that I want my four guy uh, to be you know, a doubles hitter. More of, right, Castellanos in the first half of the year last year was you know, incredible driving the baseball into the gaps. Looked a lot like Cincinnati Reds Nick Castellanos. So I trust that Nick Castellanos will be able to at least put together some good numbers over a full season. And will he have his cold streaks? Like It's Nick Castellanos, obviously. But at the end of the day, I trust him to be able to get runs in. He just has to make – A little more contact sometimes, and I can't help but think of that game seven at bat, unfortunately. But uh, in the Braves series, I mean, he had one of the great series in Philly's history. Like five home runs, which is absolutely incredible, just mashing the baseball. And you know, once you get into the dog days of summer, he will be driving the baseball. And I like him in the four hole. I really do. I got Stott batting fifth. I think they found a good slot for him there last year. And uh, I really do like him with runners in scoring position, opportunities to get bad on ball. A big key for him this year is going to be finding a way to not get fatigued as the season goes along. It feels like that's happened over the past couple of years, um, 2022 postseason. It happened probably starting in September, August of last year. Got off to that really good start last year uh, where I think he set the Phillies' hitting streak to start a year record. Also want to say with Bryson Stott, a lot of people have him in the leadoff role, and I love Bryson Stott as much as anybody. But to me, Bryson Stott isn't exactly your typical leadoff hitter just because it's a lot of chase with Bryson Stott, and I think he'll improve upon that. But he doesn't walk enough for me to be a leadoff guy, and I just think that Schwerber puts together an at-bat that is going to make pitchers not want to throw strikes. And I think that getting a walk or getting a home run and your leadoff hitter is like you can't ask for much more than a walk or a one nothing lead out of your leadoff hitter. And I just with Bryce Stott, I like him with men on much more just because he can you know put the ball in play and make something happen rather than leading off and having the pressure of putting together an at bat like Schwarber does. So I like Stott down the lineup a little bit. I like him at five. I like J T Romuto at six. He's put together some really good numbers in the six spot. I think he's an OPS. Around 800. Uh, yeah, Hit pretty well there. I believe it was like over 280. So JT, like him in the sixth spot there. I have Bohm down in the seventh spot because, again, opportunity down the lineup. More guys on. Uh, just think that he'll do better down the lineup than he did maybe in the fourth spot last year. A little less pressure. And uh, this is going to be kind of an interesting year for Alec Bohm. Like, does he take another step? Or was last year kind of what we should expect out of Alec Bohm moving forward here? He... Finally got to the 20-homer threshold, but had a really good season. Led the team in RBI for pretty much the whole way, it seemed like. But uh, I think Boehm will have a good year. I'm not sure if he makes too much improvement, but that's fine. That's really all they need out of him is just to be able to deliver in clutch RBI situations and be able to drive and run. So have Marsh batting 8th, and we have Johan Rojas batting ninth, assuming that no changes get made there. So that is the lineup I'm liking. We have Schwarber, Turner, Harper, Castellanos, Stott, Romuto, Boehm, Marsh, Rojas. Again, we'll see how the spring training lineup looks, but I think it's going to be something reminiscent to that. Do not think he's going to move Schwarber out of the leadoff spot. That's going to be a topic of conversation once again for some reason, but Steam just doesn't do that. So I am fully okay with the Kyle Schwarber leadoff uh, bit here. So, That's going to wrap it up for another edition of Phillies today. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. With the action down in Clearwater, just so excited to be breaking down some games soon. But for now, thanks again. And for Phillies 24-7, this has been Justin Morgenstern. Have a good one, everybody. See ya.